So welcome to the Expert Edge podcast. Today's conversation is with one of my good friends. His name's Dr. Dave Martin. Now, Dr. Dave Martin is known as the number one Christian success coach. Now, when I first met and saw Dr. Dave, I was... I was actually a youth leader and I saw him speaking on a large stage at a conference and instantly I just knew that I really wanted to be influenced by this guy. He's a veteran, he's a legend in the speaking circuit. He has literally spoken on some of the biggest stages in the world. He's done tours with Shark Tank uh, entrepreneurs, like all the guys on Shark Tank. He's you know, spoken with literally the biggest names in the world. And he shares some incredible full circle stories of when he attended events as a, as a young guy and then speaking on those stages and his dreams coming true. Uh, also, he's just outright hilarious. And you're going to be laughing through this whole episode because it's just brilliant. He's a really good guy. He's he's someone who I go to in terms of getting feedback and ideas, especially when it comes to really connecting with an audience and raising my fees and becoming an even better keynote speaker in general, because he's just a he's a veteran. He's a legend. Um, and I've just got so much respect for him. So I'm so excited to bring him to you. Anything he says. I would listen to because he's the guy who's done it. He's been there and uh, he's continuing to grow and to serve his audience like never before. So I want to welcome to the Expert Edge, Dr. Dave Martin. You are listening to the Expert Edge podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage, position themselves as authorities and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. So Dr. Dave Martin, welcome to the Expert Edge. Hey, it's honestly, it is such an honor to have you here because I think the first time that I ever saw you, I was a kind of a teenager, actually at a youth group <laughs> and you were speaking and I was like, first of all, this guy is like the funniest speaker I've ever seen. And second of all, you were just speaking my language because you were speaking about success and growth and becoming a better version of yourself. And, and you just really resonated with me. So for me, this is like a pretty magical moment to have you on the podcast. So welcome. Well, man, I'm, I'm honored to be here. I love all you're doing and you just made me feel really old. All at the same time, so I, I'm not sure. I'm I'm gonna work through that, but let's let's go. Let's. <laughs> it was designed as a compliment, but it came across. Yeah, yeah, I, I got it. I got it. <laughs> That's great. So, so Dr. Dave, uh, I mean, you are, you know, you're a bit of a legend in this space. You've done, you know, some of literally some of the biggest speaking engagements I think people could ever do as a speaker. You, you've got an amazing family with your wife, Christine, your young son, Solomon. Uh, but I want to know, first of all, tell me about you growing up. Tell me about the young, the young Dr. Dave before you become yeah. the doctor. Tell me about you growing up as a kid and what your experiences were like growing up and kind of, you know, what influenced you? Yeah, I, you know what I'd say probably a lot of the way I grew up is why I do what I do today. I grew up in a small town in Mississippi, 
uh, just kind of out in the out in the middle of nowhere. We were poor growing up. Uh, my dad was a minister actually, and uh, and we thought you were supposed to be poor because they you know poor people go to heaven. That's what they told us, and we did everything we could to stay broke. You know, I always I always say that uh, my dad told us if the ice cream truck was playing music, that meant they were out. You know, <laughs> for for, uh, for Christmas, you know, they'd give us batteries, toys not included. You know, so uh, that's just kind of. We grew up poor, uh, didn't have a lot. We, you know, we, we loved God and that was about it. But uh, through those years, I got involved in sports and sports got me involved in personal growth and development. And, and that kind of began, I guess, some of my journey. I was always, you know, being from a small town, I, I say this, I left Mississippi long before Mississippi left me. Uh, you know, I left the small town I was from, but the mindset I had to deal with for a long time of developing a bigger mindset. E- even though growing up in that small town, I always there was something bigger, a dream in me bigger uh, than where I was that I was always, I guess, thriving for or, or, or moving toward. And so I, I just didn't want to turn out, I say, people said, what, what got you into teaching the stuff you did? I said, well, one of the reasons is that the kind of people I grew up around. There wasn't a lot of smart people there, and I didn't want to turn out like any of them, you know. So that got me into wisdom and study and, and growth. And if I could grow my way out of here, I'd have a lot better chance. But, uh, uh, no, Mississippi's a great place. But uh, I, I guess that's really what began my journey for more was not having any to start with. That's, I mean, that's really fascinating because uh, I th- I've so I've noticed so many people who are at the top of their game, you know, like they're driven by a very like strong desire to, to create something bigger. And a lot of the time it's created out of some pain or it's created yeah. out of some, some lack or something that they didn't have. And so I'm curious with you growing up uh, and even, you know, coming into, cause how old were you when you started speaking professionally and starting to get like paid to speak? You know, it's funny. I started speaking when I was about 15 uh, in church. And so I started speaking there and I used to do a little singing back in the day and uh, I made, I made an album when I was about 17 or 18. No. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that's, and you're, you're not going to, you know, Brian. So is that the key? Me. Is that the key to having a successful speaking career? <laughs> that was <laughs> it. That was it. Uh, yeah, I don't ever want you to see or hear that. But what was it called? Uh, what was it called? Uh, it was called "The Word." Was the <laughs> well, it was oh, that was the title song on the album there. The Were you on it? Were you? Did you have a photo of yourself on it? Oh yeah, of course. Of course you got to put a picture of you. I was the, the Justin Bieber of my day. <laughs> so but, good. Uh, uh, you know, I started going out and, and uh, people would have me come in and, and I'd, I'd sing and talk a little bit between it. And then that developed more into talking. I mean, I was in debate in school and I'd, I'd you know, we used to have what we call here in the States 4-H and I did the 4-H speech competitions. And, you know, I just, I didn't have a problem being in front of people. And so uh, that's kind of where, where the journey uh, of speaking began and then went into to college. I traveled during the summers and I'd speak at churches uh, in the summer and, uh, and then, you know, back, back to school. And then from, from years later really began in the corporate side and the, the personal growth and development side of things. So, uh, which we'll probably get into that and my story of how I got a, an idea for that or 
decided I wanted to do that one. Well, day. tell me about that. Like, tell me about when was that moment where you, when you thought I'm going to go pro like, well, yeah. In, in nine, about 1995, I believe it was 96. I, I was working uh, at an organization and they took us all to a get motivated event in Dallas, Texas. And I heard a guy named Zig Ziglar talk. Wow. And what was and that was like? like? It was, I was way, I mean, I was as high up as you could probably get in the arena. I mean, we were way up there. We got the cheap seats for sure. Yeah. But I heard this guy talking. I'm like, oh. man, now I was talking in churches and that kind of thing, but he was talking my language, but yet to a different audience. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, I could do this. And I'd learned, you know, visualization and all those type of things. And so I had a dream wall already you know I'd, I'd gotten involved in a couple of network marketing companies and they got me all excited and I, I built the dream wall and I, that day I took the the poster the, the picture from the front of the magazine from get motivated I cut it out and I put it on the wall 1995 and uh, I said one day I want to I want to go to be on get motivated one day I want to be on a stage like that sharing my story like Zig Ziglar is doing right now and uh, that was in 1995, and I'd, I'd probably jump way ahead, but, uh, you know, 20-something 20, uh, 20, 20 years later, 21 years later uh, or so, um, I met the owner of Get Motivated. Crazy how it all happened, and he, he said he'd give me 15 minutes. We met at a Starbucks in Tampa, Florida for 15 minutes. He was willing to give me a chance because of someone else's uh, saying, hey, you should check this guy out. I'll give you a chance on one event. And uh, I asked him if I could meet with him. He gave me 15 minutes. Two and a half hours later, uh, he, he hooked me up, signed me up for every event. And I went on tour uh, with Get Motivated and uh, ended up in the morning position that Zig Ziglar, the actual, the spot that Zig Ziglar was in oh, when I saw gosh. him and I was doing that open spot that where Zig Ziglar was 20 something years later. So I, I tell people never, never take it, you know, never take for granted that dream wall, getting a picture. Something has to be seeable before it's believable, believable before it's achievable and getting a picture of where it is you want to go. 20 years I had that thing on my dream wall. And then finally now I'm in the position where he was what i instead of sitting way up in the, in the top, you know, I'm backstage, I'm walking, I'm on the stage, you know? So uh, it's, it was a pretty incredible journey along the way. It didn't happen overnight and I had to work my skill and learn my skill and develop all that, but uh, it happened. And I, I believe that uh, that's such a big part of it is keeping that dream alive inside of you and getting a picture of where it is you want to go. That's such an incredible story. It literally gave me goosebumps when you told me that story. Uh, Tell me, tell me about that transition of you. You said you grew up in a small town, Mississippi, didn't have, didn't have much, didn't have many kind of role models around you. Uh, and, you know, grew up, you know, it sounds like there was kind of limited thinking in a sense that you'd grown up with. And you're someone who I really look to in terms of like, you just carry this bigness, this favor about yourself and uh, how have, you know, what have been some, I guess, big beliefs or things that you've had to push up against and break through that have helped you to become who you are? Yeah, you know, 
mindset is a is a big thing I'm always pushing up against. You know, believing that it, that it is possible. I teach it all the time, but that's a lot of times. You know, what you uh, fight the most is what you talk about the most, and so I'm always working <laughs> so on. True my mindset i'm always working on my thinking you know but you you mentioned a word there and uh, it's it's a, it's a word that i really can trace back so much of my success and things that happened i wrote a whole book about it on favor and uh and and favor i always say this it doesn't take a lot of people liking you it just takes the right people liking you wow and uh and and ending up in the right place at the right time the right moment I mean, I was at a little, I was actually speaking at a church in Huntsville, Alabama. In the green room of the church, the people that were bringing me coffee started talking to them, found out they have been the ones running backstage and the green rooms for the Get Motivated Tour for almost 20 years. And that little place in Alabama, that's the couple. He said, 20 years, I've never recommended a speaker to the owner, but I feel like I'm supposed to recommend you. Wow. Uh, I, I call that favor. That's uh, favor. I wrote a whole book about it, The Force of Favor. Just one moment of favor. What What's taking people a lifetime to work for? One moment of favor can turn all that around for you. And I know that's more of a spiritual uh, term and a, the spiritual side of things, but I, I can, again, over and over again, uh, my, my story with John Maxwell, how John Maxwell and I, uh, Tell me about that. friends and began to work together again, crazy, crazy. Uh, in his new book, Leadership, uh, he had written uh, on page five or six, he quoted me from my book, 12 Traits of the Greats. Uh, and I, I'd met him before several times in green rooms, just quick. He had spoke and I was coming to speak, but it never really connected. We knew who each other were, but didn't have a connection. So we were uh, putting out a new version of that book, the 10-year anniversary edition of that book. And he had just written Leadership. I'm like, man, would that be awesome to get a quote from Maxwell, maybe on the cover of this book, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so we called his office and no response. And I reached out to a couple people I knew that knew him. And they're like, well, let me see what I can do. Nothing it came about. Well, we were out at NSA in um, uh, Denver. Was it last? Just last year, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's about the same time we're trying to reach him. I walk in the the concierge lounge there at the Gaylord Hotel, and John Maxwell standing there. <laughs> I said, John. He said, Hey, Dave, how you doing? We said hello, and yeah. I said, Man, I'd love for you to do something. I you you quoted me in this book. We go back and forth. Anyway. He just happened to be there when I walked in. The next day, we end up uh, having lunch uh, together. And it, it was just over the next 30 days, what happened? I said, listen, uh, he said, I need you to come to my office. I want you to meet with my CEO. And I said, well, I, I'm going tomorrow. I've got to fly to Alabama. And then maybe next week I could. He goes, where are you going in Alabama? I said, I'm going to Birmingham uh, to a, a conference called Grow. He's like, you're going to grow? He said, I'll be there on Tuesday. <laughs> he said, and my CEO will be with me. Why don't we meet then? So I get there Monday. The guy hosting the grow conference says, Hey Dave, I was thinking about you in three weeks. I'm doing a hunting trip with John, me and John Maxwell. We're going out to South Dakota. I've seen those photos. Have you seen? Them? Yeah. He said, yeah. he said, would you want to go with us? I said, I'd love to go with you. <laughs> now, 
remember three days late earlier, I just met John really connected. I've met him, but connected for the first time. Hmm. Um, he, he tells me about some new things he goes that he's doing. He said, I feel like we're supposed to be in this together. Anyway, I end up, uh, uh, the next day John gets there. I tell him, Hey, I'm going hunting with you. He goes, this is amazing. Three weeks later, we go hunting on the hunting trip. He's getting on his jet to go one way. A bunch of us are getting, a, you know, three or four of us getting on a jet to go a different way. And I said, where are you headed? He said, I'm going to Baltimore. I said, oh, I'm flying on the jet to Atlanta that I've got to jump a Delta flight to Baltimore. He said, forget that. Just come on the jet with me. And so now I've got four hours alone with him on the jet. So within 30 days, all this happens. Uh, two weeks later, I see on his uh, Facebook that he's in uh, – Minneapolis. I said, Hey, I saw you just landed in Minneapolis. I'll be there later today. Where are you staying? We happen to be staying at the exact same hotel. He said, come to my room. Let's watch football tonight. We watched the football, the college football game. And in 30 days, I mean, literally over and over again, I, that's why I don't believe in coincidence. Mm -hmm. uh, right. I don't think there's any such thing as a coincidence. I think it's, it's lives coinciding at the exact moment at the exact time that it was all meant to happen. And anyway, on the new book, uh, there's a quote by John Maxwell that, uh, that says, if you can only read one book this year, you have it in your hands. Come John on. Maxwell. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I, you know, I'm probably going way off of what we're supposed to be talking about here. But just as you, as you learn to flow, I call it following the path of favor. And I can tell you over and over again, moments of how that happened uh, with Mr. Wonderful from uh, Shark Tank. Shark Tank, yeah. And, and how, you know, we were we shared the stage a few times on Get Motivated, but happened to be on the same flight from New York to London mm. and uh, ended up sitting together and some, some pretty cool things that we're working on that he's investing in with me. And it happened to be in that moment, we get, we end up, he gets his, his flight. He doesn't make his layover. We end up getting to spend about three or four more hours in the airport Heathrow. And, and again, that moment of favor that it all aligned together. And so uh, I, I just think it's pretty amazing how that I can follow that through my whole career moment after moment. I think that there's a lot of people who've experienced favor, but don't notice it. Right. I, that happened to me for years. Yeah, I'm wondering how how have you and do you continue to cultivate that that thinking and that mindset of favor? I, I say in the beginning of the book, I say this. I say whatever you recognize, you become thankful for. Whatever you're thankful for increases in your life. And so learning to recognize, I think, when those moments happen, not just go, oh, well, that was a coincidence, but recognizing it as a moment. Uh, I got to, again, another crazy way. I got to spend a day with Wayne Dyer at his place in Maui. Yeah, I was going to say Hawaii, yeah. Insane how I ended up running into Wayne Dyer. In, uh, I was speaking at a conference in Maui when Wayne Dyer walks through the lobby of the hotel with no shirt on. He's just, he's at the beach walking through. We meet. Did you have a shirt on? I I, I did at were that they, moment. Were they that blessed? Were they that blessed? I, to... <laughs> you know, they didn't pay the high enough fee. For, yeah. There's a different fee for the shirt off. But uh, 
<laughs> and, uh, but we run into each other and just a moment of favor. I mean, how many people run into Wayne Dyer that know Wayne Dyer that um, never goes beyond the moment of hi, hello, and a smile and, and a picture or whatever, but ended up getting to spend a day. He went, I want to spend it. I want to spend some time with you. How did that happen? It was a moment of favor, but recognizing all the little things along the way of how those moments happen and celebrating those moments. Uh, again, I think uh, uh, adding value to John Maxwell thing, what can we do to add value to someone else or Zig Ziglar? If I can help enough people reach their dreams, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people will help me reach my dreams. And that's how I, uh, the whole thing with Joel Osteen, where I, uh, people are always, especially in our industry, in the speaking industry, you go to NSA and he's, the greatest motivational speaker, you know, and no one knows him. No one's seen him. He's like, you don't, he's not, a, you don't really touch him. Like he's not a real live. Cause he, <laughs> he, he doesn't real do, person. Yeah. He's not doing events. They're not going to run into him anywhere yeah. except his events. And so that's one of the things, uh, people are like how, how in the world did you connect mm -hmm. with, you know, uh, Joel Osteen. And I, I solved a problem for him. I helped him solve a problem. And then it's just opened up to an incredible, uh, friendship over over time and opened up incredible doors of opportunity because of that relationship and I again I can trace it back because of that relationship with him is how uh, Nito Kubain and I became such good friends and he became an incredible mentor in my life again ran in met him at NSA I mean he gives people maybe five minutes if you if you get 15 minutes with him that's a pretty big deal and I spent two, two hours with him at lunch. He, he was a short, I said, can I take you to lunch? He gave me a short lunch because he saw my connection with Joel Osteen and he was intrigued by that. And uh, we ended up now, you know, I'll fly up and spend a day with him there in North Carolina. And again, it's just, and I'm not, I, I know now I'm thinking about it. It sounds like I'm dropping names. I'm not dropping names. I mean, if any, if anything I've learned from spending time with Oprah, it's that, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I've never even met Oprah. That's a joke. Uh, but it's, it's amazing. I'm just saying names that our, our people, people listening to this podcast yeah. would know and know how it's not easy just to get connected with them, mm. but how those moments of opportunity have, have developed. And I'm like, Hey, what can I do to help you? What can I do to add value to you? And as I have, they've been really willing to add value back and open up doors of opportunity. It's been amazing. I think it's, it has a lot to do with, uh, from what you, cause you know, if anyone ever gets the opportunity to meet you and hang out with you, I know that we hung out for a bit at an NSA conference, like, and just watching you on stage, like you, you just, you have an ability to fill a room. So a good speaker knows how to fill a room and you watch, I mean, what's, I'm curious, like what's some of, what would be the biggest audience you've spoken to? Uh, the biggest audience probably well, it's, uh, in the corporate setting or, or audience would probably be Either. 20, 25,000. Uh, in a church setting, uh, I did in Nigeria, 1 million people. Uh, oh my God. At a, a, a church at a, an event there in Nigeria. But, you know, things like Hillsong yeah. Conference, was that, 30,000 yeah. people, you know. Yeah. Uh, events like that or you, you you know speak of joel osteen's there's you know one gonna be about 15 16,000 one yeah. seating there so i just feel like because it definitely speaking on a stage 
forces you to become bigger. You know, like you, it forces you to energetically fill a room and you watch people who walk on a room like you just, you, I, I've seen clips of you walking on stage and I mean, I'm pretty much laughing my, my head off within like three seconds because the first thing that comes out of your mouth is usually hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's how I make the, that's what I use to make the connection. You know, that, that humor, that my first five minutes are probably going to be, there's going to be some, I'm going to drop a couple bombs in there of encouragement, <laughs> but Mostly it's going to be just humor. It's going to be, they know me, they connected, they love me. Yeah. I mean, if I can get them agreeing with me and laughing with me, now I can, I can give my point. I can share my story mm. and they're going to connect because they're already connected. Mm. I'm, I'm curious in terms of you, um, even right now, what, like, what are the things that you feel like you even butt up against in your mind of like what stretches you in your capacity and, and how do you like, what are your typical ways of working through uh, your limitations? Cause I think all of us at every level, cause you're at a super high level, you know, compared to most people in the industry, but I, I'm I know I've talked with enough people at your level that there's always another level. Right. And so, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how yeah. how do you work through that and stretch yourself to you know to take risks to go beyond what you feel is possible and so forth like what are your practices and so forth you know i'm continually listening i listen to jim Rohn probably every day you know uh he he inspires me and i get done listening to him i feel like i can i can do this i can do anything so i have to continually hear it myself you know, and, uh, and again, continue to motivate myself. I can't wait for someone else to motivate me. I've got to motivate myself. You know, I, I, I always tell people, I'm not really, they introduced me as a motivational speaker and that's, that's fine. I, I don't really think there's any such thing as a motivational speaker. Uh, even though I'm in the industry and I don't tell them I'm not a motivational speaker because they're paying me a lot of money to be one. Uh, you know, but once I cash the That's check, what I motivates you. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I'm motivated because I'm getting the check. Yeah, exactly. I, I said, I hope to inspire you. I hope to be an inspirational speaker, maybe an educational speaker. My real goal is to be a transformational speaker. Of yeah. course, it's something I say, will transform the way you think about things, but only person that can motivate you is you. And so I've got to mm. continually motivate myself mm. and, uh, and, and encourage myself because I'll get up you know, and have a, this credible opportunity and then think it'll never happen again. I'll never have an opportunity like that again. When's that, when's anything like that going to happen again? And, uh, and I'm like, what do you mean? You know? And then I, I go back to as, as, uh, understanding, you know, I, I base a lot on, on the Bible and God is no respecter of person. So if that can happen for Tony Robbins, I guess that could happen for me. Right. Mm. If, if that could happen for, if John Maxwell could sell that many books and, and it's exciting now because uh, between John and I together, uh, we've now sold over 30 million books. Um, and I, I like to tie in with him because uh, he sold 30 million by himself. And so together we've sold over 30 and uh, just, it works with, uh, you so know. Good. <laughs> Dave, tell me about your development and relationship with money. Because there's something that you have on your life that as soon as you open your mouth, I feel like just money moves. 
And what I mean by that, and it's not in any sort of like, cause some people, you know, feel awkward talking about money, but I feel like that's something that you just have on your life. Like there's just something on your life around creating wealth, attracting wealth, creating deals, like just moving stuff, moving money and that energy around. Tell me about like how you've developed your relationship with money. Cause it sounds like you didn't, definitely didn't come from it, but you have that on your life. Like, tell me about that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think again, a big part of it was me discovering the purpose of it, what it's, what it's for. You know, I remember my, my grandmother always saying, well, you know, you, I'm afraid if I was a millionaire, I'd be greedy. And, and then I realized that's, well, that was because she was already greedy. Right. <laughs> right. If, you, if you're greedy with a hundred, you'd be greedy with a million, you know, and people are trying to hold on to everything they've got. And I've just found as I release it into, into the universe, into the world, as I let go, more comes, it, it, you know, if I hold my hands tight, nothing can get in them. But when I open them up and I look at it, uh, a real easy example for me is a, is a water pipe in your home, in your office, wherever you have water pipes that, that flow, uh, through the building. The purpose of those pipes is to distribute water, right? The purpose of the pipe is not to get wet. The purpose of the pipe is to distribute water from one building to the, another part of the house. To, and I, I think money is the same way. The purpose of money is not to get blessed or to get more stuff. The purpose of money is I want to be a distribution center. Uh, of money. What can I do to help others? We, when the, the hurricane hit and flooded Houston a few years ago, uh, our organization, we were able to give over $100,000 to help there in, uh, in Houston. Uh, you know, uh, a vision rescue in mm. India. India. You know, I just was uh, uh, having a check today sent to them $10,000 to help wow. buy a bus there for the kids, giving them education. Uh, giving them food, and then also tell them about a much higher power that can really change their life. And so I'm always looking for ways. So to me, my, my prayer, Lord, make me a distribution center. There, there's a, a scripture in Proverbs, a Proverbs that says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. And I found from the little, I, I, when my wife and I first got married, we lived in a government assisted apartment, you know, section eight housing. We didn't have a bed, had a little air mattress. Uh, we didn't even have a dining room table and chairs. I mean, we were just you know, we were just getting started here in this uh, in in we called it Dave Martin International, <laughs> and people laughed. It's like y'all have never been anywhere. Uh, we went to Canada once. You know, I made us international, <laughs> but uh, we had a dream. But even in that little apartment, we began. What can we do to help others? Maybe it was ten dollars. Maybe it was twenty dollars. But as we begin mm -hmm. to release and help others and realize money began to flow. And, and my goal was to make my first million dollars by the time I was 30, uh, which, which we achieved that, that goal. And, uh, and, but I think so much of it was through what I learned from another mentor, mine and friend, Jack Canfield. Hmm. And, uh, and Jack taught me so much about, about that, about releasing uh, into the world, release your wealth and watch it come back to you greater and more than what you let go of. And so I, I'm like, that's just always been my, my prayer. Make me a distribution center and let me help others and watch how I've been, uh, been helped. And I believe that's why wealth is attracted. I'm attracted to wealth is attracted to me uh, because uh, I'm a, I, I know what to do with it when I get it.
And, and nothing wrong with having a nice house. I like having a nice house. I like having a, a nice car. I like cars a lot. I like my Harleys. I like my motor. I, I, you know, I don't think nothing wrong with that. I, I, I love going on the Disney cruise. Been on 17 of them. It takes a lot of money wow. to do 17 Disney cruises. And, uh, <laughs> but, but I also have given, you know, I think our, our, we just did our taxes, and I think this year was 38% of our income we gave back uh, wow. back to, to help others. So I think that's kind of maybe what you, what you pick up is that whole generosity factor. Yes, in the whole thing. and that's what it is. I feel, like, I feel like the higher you go in business and the more money you make, the more you kind of feel like money just, it's almost like not even, it doesn't become real. It just kind of flows through you and you just move it around. Like, obviously it's real, but it's also, there isn't that sense of like hanging on to it of like, I'm going to lose it all. And, and I, that's what I love about you. And that's why I wanted to ask that question, kind of your philosophy on it. Um, because I know uh, that, sorry, you go. And I think that's in anything too, you know, any way I can help someone else, not just with money, but I'm like, Oh, Colin, you got to meet this guy. This would be a great opportunity. I mean, I, I brought people on the open up the opportunity for the get motivated tour, where other guys on the tour they were man, they didn't want anybody else to get a chance. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. you know, this is it's this that generosity. Is yeah, I'm like, hey, as, the more I help others, the more I add value to others, uh, it's it's uh, it's going to come back to me. So let me see what I can do. That's why I've never there's never been a day I've helped so many other people. Uh, Simon T. Bailey. I don't know if you know Simon. Uh, he's uh, he's kind of a legend with uh, in the NSA. Uh, he's in the uh, Million Dollar Speakers Group with me, and he got his uh, the, the, what do you call it, the Hall of Fame and all that. But anyway, uh, when he was first starting out, working with him on even his his speaking fees and and thinking bigger on, on raising that fee to the next level and 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 all that. But I'm like, how can I? The other day, I opened up an opportunity for him, and uh, I said, Man, "Let me connect you with this guy. This would be awesome." And I've done that over and over for years, and for my whole career. And that's why I've never lacked for a place to speak. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to speak, I always had a place to speak, and uh, it's because I've helped enough other people get places to speak, opportunities to speak, and so it's it's opened up opportunities for me. And that's just kind of how I live my life. No, it's so true, and that is. I mean, I see your life, your generosity. You've always had that spirit about yourself. And because, you know, I think there's a lot of people in, you know, the expert personal development industry, speaking industry, and, and they're like, you know, I've never, I can't get enough speaking gigs or I'm never booked anywhere or anything like that. And then you meet other people like yourself and other people I've interviewed and, and they just have this abundance philosophy and they've got an abundance of opportunity as well. And <laughs> that is such a big shift. I'm curious about how do you handle your on stage and off stage life? Because who you are on stage, you know, I know you're a big personality and, and so forth, but I'm curious, how do you stay connected to your wife, to your son and like come off stage? Well, you know, we, we made a commitment in the very beginning as things began to really take off for travel uh, we decided to homeschool our son, uh, which was a, a you know big decision we made there. And I decided to take my family with me, uh, probably fifty percent of the time. And uh, and it yeah it, it was an expense to two more people, uh, two more plane tickets. 
a lot of times, you know, the hotel and that's taken care of, or, you know, maybe you might in your, in your travel fee, you know, might cover a little bit of something, but, uh, also while I was speaking, you know, I had the expense of my wife going to the mall, uh, <laughs> which, which always added probably almost as much as I, I broke even on a lot of speaking. <laughs> probably. But, uh, that's a business but, uh, expense, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally. But, but we made that commitment. I think that was, yeah. it was a big, cause I can't tell you how many people in our industry end up divorced. They're on the road. They're never home. They're, they're not building a relationship with their kids or wives and they end up, uh, you know, divorced and, and, uh, and multiple times, a lot of times. <laughs> and so, uh, we just made a decision at the very beginning that, uh, we weren't going to be one of those numbers and that if it costs us a little more, a little more of an investment to bring the family and also my son, man, he's traveled all over the world. Uh, you know, he's been to every continent except for Antarctica uh and uh and he's and he's been on the stage now with me uh he has a little two or three minute little motivational cool. thing he does and and he's stood in front of up to fifteen thousand people wow. uh you know sharing that uh on stage so i think the big thing was bringing them along on the journey yeah. that you know you don't stay on do what you do and i go on the road and do what i do but let's do this let's do this together let's celebrate mm -hmm. this together this is a great opportunity for us all to um to have you know so so often you see it in uh, uh you know you these kids they give up their dad and their dad goes and helps all these people or their mom uh goes and helps all these people on stages all over the world but yet they're left with nothing and i said son you you get the life you get because you're willing to share me on the stage for a little bit with somebody else or willing to share me some time but this life you live is a part of this, you know, so let's, let's enjoy this because of what we do, because we help other people, because we, we change other people's lives through the message and, and, and we get to enjoy what we enjoy because of that. So letting them, instead of being mad, like I've seen so many speakers, kids mad at their parents because they were never there for them. They got to be a part, he got to be a part of it. And so I think that was a, a big uh, part. I helped him do his own podcast, you know, that kind of, that kind of stuff we did together. And so it was, it was a lot of fun. That's it so still good. is. He's 14 now. So we were making some shifts and I'm pulling off the road a little bit and with, you know, with all this media and, and, and webinars and all we can do, we don't have to go as, as much, but uh, he wants to play football and go to school. So, you know, let's, let's do a little something for him now. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And I, and I love that. Um, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring on you you on the podcast because I really love just featuring people who are at the top of their game market leaders, but also have a, a whole life and they, and are connected to their family. And cause I've seen so many people, you know, make meteoric rises and implode their life. Right. Right. And, and that's been one of our commitments for us as a family with our young kids and things like that. So um, oh, I just love that. I, two more questions. Uh, one is, if someone was, you know, really developing their, their speeches, they wanted to start speaking, they wanted to get on more stages or even do more virtual stages and so forth. Like, what would you say to them around them honing their craft? Uh, you know, I think the, the more you can do it, of course, the, the better. But I, I look for every opportunity. When I'm working with, uh, with people training in that area, I'm like, if you can get up for three minutes, five minutes, 
And when I'm training someone, what I do is, is I throw them questions when I, I'll bring a young speaker or someone I'm working with. Hey, you know, just before I speak, um, Todd, come up here for just a minute. And I want you to tell this. I had a mentor do this to me, and that's where I got it from. So I'm not oh, – yeah. uh, but, but he, he would say, Dave, come up here. Come up here for a minute. You've got, thir- you've got 60 seconds left to live. What do you want these people to know is the most important that, you know, and he would tell me and I had no clue or, or he come up, give us the three most important things to know when reaching a goal. Uh, just, I, I never knew what was coming, but it trained me that no matter what kind, I can adapt to any situation out, throw me on the stage, ad lib, whatever I need to do. I'm able to adapt to any situation. So um, in honing that skill, I think every opportunity you have, every moment you have, uh, I like to just pick up a book. One of the things I do is I'll I'll pick up a a random book and I'll just read it, but I'll read it as if I'm telling it to you personally Mm -hmm. for the very first time. And so it's really helped me to, to develop any information I can give it to you like it, it's at this moment right now, but yet I could just be reading it. So that that's one of the things that really has helped me. I've trained, I've shown people that go through my, you know, uh, King of the keynote, uh, seminars, things on that's how, that's one of the ways I, I, I've done it and worked on myself. So good. So good. Now, my last question is this is imagine it's the end of your life and people are standing around your family, your friends, and they're talking about your life and what you represented for them and what you created as a representation of your life. I'm, I'm curious, what, what would be your hope that they would say about you other than you've got a beautiful head? Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> and, and teeth. Uh, yeah, and I told- teeth. I said, I said the other day, I said, I hate these masks. You know how much money I spent for these teeth? You know, <laughs> I got a $3 mask over them. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I was, I was kidding. Someone asked what I would want on my tombstone. It's kind of, it, it, on your last moment, I, I said, I was going to put on my tombstone. I told you I was sick, but uh, anyway, um, you know, one of the things that, that I, I say over and over, and if anyone's ever heard me, they've heard me say it, the rest of your life will be the best of your life. And I think uh, what I would want people to say is that that's what he, you know, he lived that. It just wasn't something he said over and over again. But no matter the ups and downs of life, no matter how good things were, or uh, no matter what crisis uh, in the middle of, there was still, he, he still taught people and showed people that to believe that, Things could turn around. I still believe that the rest of this year is going to be the best of this year. And how? I have no clue. But I've got to keep believing it. And uh, and, and somehow it's going to turn around. And, and I can still, in the middle of all this, find the good, find the moments of favor, and that, that all things work together for my good. Right at the beginning, I wrote that down, a little sticky note. It's been on my desk ever since. All things are working together for my good. So, uh, what I've learned how to use Zoom that I never knew how to really use before. I've, I've, I can go on and on about all the things that I've learned that are making me better. And, uh, and, and this virtual speaking is perfect. I mean, I love that I can do that all day. I, uh, uh, let me just give me a camera and I can, I can engage. So uh, that's, I think that's, that would be it. I just want, you know, he lived his life letting people know that no matter 
where they are, no matter how good it is or no matter how bad it is, it, it, it's going to get better. It can get better. And uh, that I was a hope dealer, not a dope dealer. I'm a hope dealer. And that when people left being around them, they, there was a joy and a hope in their heart uh, that always, I, when I left his presence, I was better than when I, when I first entered his presence. So that, that'd be my, I guess, I hope I answered that question right, but that'd kind of be my, I guess, my desire. You definitely live that and you, you definitely do that for me. Uh, and in terms of them connecting with you and hearing more about you, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, your, your Instagram is one of my favorite, <laughs> favorite <laughs> ones to follow. That post you did the other day of the bear with it, it was like, this is me above the camera. <laughs> and then yeah. this, is, oh, this is why I don't take full body shots. <laughs> and it zoomed back. I was... <laughs> Quarantine. I call it my the quarantine. Uh, I was crying uh, looking at that. <laughs> you honestly told, find the best stuff. You have to you have to look at what I posted on my story just before we uh, got on here today. <laughs> check it out. I'll check it out. So, uh, what's what's the it. best connections? Your your handle is a Dr. Dave. What, what's what's your handle yeah. again? Uh, at Dr. Dave Martin. Dr. Dave Martin. At Dr. Dave Martin or DaveMartin.org is our website and uh, we're getting ready to relaunch our, our podcast. You can listen to all the old ones. There's some great ones. I just did a, a new five day challenge. We're going to release here pretty quick with John Maxwell did one with John Maxwell did one with Nito Kubain. And I did one with the legend Harvey McKay. Uh, Incredible. And, uh, Harvey, what a, you know, talk about favor again. It's so funny. I'm, and uh, uh, the other day when that, when I told you, John and I both ended up in Minneapolis, um, John asked Harvey to go with him to his meeting that night and his, his seminar. He said, why don't you come with me? I'll get you up there. And Harvey's like, ah, nah, I don't want to go. You know, it's Harvey, 80 something years old, you know, legend. And, and uh, he's like, nah, I don't want to, I'll just meet you at the hotel afterwards and we'll spend some time together. Well, the next night I had a seminar and I asked Harvey if he'd go with me. He goes, I'd love it. Let's do it. <laughs> you I tell said, John Sorry. that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know I did. I did. You know I did. I'm texting him straight away. Yeah, yeah. So he went oh, with me, and I got to bring him up on stage, interview. You know, talk to him. Uh, what a, what a oh, that was awesome. But uh, anyway, uh, DaveMartin.org, all that kind of stuff will and be success on there. Made, success made simple is your success is your made simple. Yeah, they if they subscribe to our podcast whenever we launch new ones, they'll be uh, they'll be able to get those and everything as well. And I got to get you on Success Made Simple. We've been Bring talking it about it, but we're getting ready to relaunch things there. And I want you to be one of the first ones. So let's do it. Oh, I'd appreciate that. Hey, Dr. Dave, you're a legend. Uh, so much respect for you and your family. And it's just been a pleasure having you on here. Man, thank you so much. What an honor. And I hope I said something that helped or encouraged somebody today that the rest of their life would be the best of their life. Thanks, Dr. Dave. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step -step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs.
Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.